FOMO. I saw a tweet that he put out where he said, I'm taking all of my stocks um, and selling them. I'm maxing out my credit cards. I'm taking out cash advances and I'm throwing it all into this cryptocurrency named Dogecoin. Um, and we jumped on a Zoom call later that day. Uh, and then by the following morning, we were filming. I'm Patrick J. McGinnis, and I coined the term FOMO. That's short for fear of missing out. And it's why some people end up following the crowd when they should be blazing a trail of their own. But if you want to achieve greatness in business and life, you've got to break free. Come on, I'll show you how. This is FOMO Sapiens, where we explore how entrepreneurial thinkers find the inspiration and the courage to build exceptional lives. Welcome to another episode of FOMO Sapiens, the show for entrepreneurial thinkers. I'm your host, Patrick J. McGinnis, and our topic today is, well, we're going to be talking to the star and a director of a fantastic new documentary called This Is Not Financial Advice that is out now on streaming. It's Apple, it's Amazon, places like that. And this is a movie that is really about the intersection of FOMO and investing. And it's a really, uh, I've seen it three times. Now, why have I seen it three times? Well, I got a call from one of the producers of the movie, Martine, a long time ago. We're talking like 2021 saying, hey, we're doing this movie about FOMO and investing. Would you be willing to do an interview? I was happy to do that, obviously. Super cool. So I happened to be going out to LA and I went to this house in the Hollywood Hills where we filmed. And then, you know, a couple years goes by. And there's a movie. It came out at Tribeca Film Festival in June of 2023. It debuted in a nice theater in LA in January of 24. I was actually there for that, which is super fun. And now it's out on streaming. So you can go find this now. You go to tinvafilm.com. You can see the trailer. You might recognize somebody, a friendly face in there. And you're just going to love this movie. It's really, really good. And I'm not just saying it because I'm in it. In fact, at one point I was, as you'll hear in the interview, I got cut out and I still like the movie, even though I was in pain from having been cut out. So that's what we're going to talk about today. The film, the intersection of FOMO and investing, and just the lessons that one can learn. And this is a double episode because there's a lot to talk about here. And to do this, we're going to be talking with two individuals. The first is Glauber Pro. Contesoto. He is an immigrant working multiple jobs and living in a 220 square foot apartment at the time of the filming. And he gambles his life savings on a joke cryptocurrency, which is Dogecoin. Two months later, he turns $180,000 into 3 million, becoming the Dogecoin millionaire and a hero to his growing YouTube following. So his journey is absolutely insane. We're talking to him and he will be joined by Chris Temple, who is the director of this film. And Chris is best known for directing and producing the feature docs, Five Years North, Salam Neighbor, and Living on One Dollar. His films have premiered at top film festivals like the Tribeca Film Festival and have been distributed globally by Netflix, HBO, Hulu, and PBS, among others. So that is a conversation. Now, as you know, I'd like to start every interview with the same question. We have a new one for season 11. And the question is this, which I asked to pro. Tell me something unexpected you learned about yourself that changed everything. That I was the one all along. I know it sounds weird, but let me explain. So throughout my life, I've always threw the hat in the ring for someone else. 
whether that was Lambo, for example, who's the artist that, that I was managing for the longest time. I believed in him so much. I almost feel like I believed in him more than he believed in himself. Not just that. That's one example. There were other periods of time in my life where I, I was always the player two to someone else's player one. And I've always wanted to do so much and leave no gaps, no space for failure that I would literally surround myself around someone and literally childproof everything around that person so they could not fail. And in one way or another, like like in one way or another, there were so many different occasions and different time periods where I was let down in one way or another um, by someone, like whether it was a family member, uh, whether it was someone I work with, that it wasn't until I kind of redirected myself from being that player two to someone else's player one to taking myself and making myself player one and 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 kind of uh, putting all my strengths, all my efforts, all my energy, all my time behind me mm-hmm. and, and actually believing in me and, and, and saying, you know what, you don't have to make it based off of someone else's success. You can make it based off of your own success. And, and I think that comes from having, you know, uh, early years of self-doubt, uh, early years of, of just like, I knew I was good. I knew I, I was capable. Um, but, but my capabilities were always based on hard work and effort. It was never talent driven. It was never like, oh, I'm talented enough to do this. It was always like, I can do the groundwork. I could do the legwork which is why I feel like it led to me always co- like going behind someone else and being like, oh, this person's talented, so let me put all the work in, and then boom, it should work, right? Um, but it wasn't until I, I, I put all the eggs in my basket and was like, I can do this. And, and when I did that, ultimately is what changed everything because that's what happened with Dogecoin. It was like I, I had a gut feeling about it, I knew I was right in the past about certain things that I had gut feelings about. And I was like, you know what? This is one where where I don't care what anybody tells me. I don't care who tries to to discourage me or or, 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 or tell me something other than what I truly believe in. But I believe this is going to work. I believe Dogecoin is going to be huge. I believe it's going to be all over the TV, all over the news. And and I need to be an early adopter. I need to be one of the first to, to really invest heavily into this cryptocurrency. And that's when... I became player one. Yeah. That's when, that's when you went from being the supporting actor to being the star, which you are of a new film that is out now. This is not financial advice. Yeah. And this is if you, everybody needs to go watch this movie because pro is, is, is a star. Like you're incredibly <laughs> compelling to watch. Like you really are. It's, I don't even know. It's like, I was like, wow, Chris Temple, you're the director of this movie. We're going to talk all about this film. Pro's going to tell us the story from his perspective. But before we get into that, I do want to bring you in here because, Chris, what is this movie about for folks who may be saying, well, that's a nice title, but what is it about? Yeah, I mean, I think to understand what it's about, you got to understand where it began. And, and I mean, I think really this film began with my own investing FOMO that I was looking at markets in early 2021, right? And I was seeing everybody else getting rich. It felt like people were, um, you know, whether it was crypto or GameStop or just regular stocks, everything looked like it was going up. And and I just had this feeling like I needed to get involved or I was going to miss out. Um, and so 
I started investing myself. I started throwing money into really speculative assets and being a part of this. And through that, I met other community people online and Reddit, Twitter, et cetera, um, who were making really even much more speculative uh, decisions. And that's where I met Pro online. I saw a tweet that he put out where he said, I'm taking all of my stocks and selling them. I'm maxing out my credit cards. I'm taking out cash advances and I'm throwing it all into this cryptocurrency named Dogecoin. Um, And we jumped on a Zoom call later that day. uh, And then by the following morning, we were filming and we filmed together for the next uh, almost two straight years um, following the roller coaster ride of what it's like to make a financial decision like that. And I think, you know, Pro is one of four uh, amazing individuals in this film that from all different walks of life who have different approaches to money. And I think, you know, if there's I think the film really is about the psychology of money, of risk and fear and greed and how for each of us, it's a little bit different. What? You want to know something funny, Chris, really quickly, just to interject? I have that first conversation that we had recorded <laughs> on camera. No way. I filmed it on my Isn't phone. Isn't that illegal? <laughs> Not in the state of California. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's one party consent. Um, wait, I love that, that you turned it on the documentary filmmaker. And uh, we, I, I, we got no, I, did, I had my camera going right next to me as we yeah. had the entire conversation. I think it was like an hour inter- interview we did, yeah. right? About 40 minutes. <laughs> well, I was looking through my emails today in preparation for this, and I got an email. Let me see, pull it up right here. I got an email from one of the producers of the film on April 6th, 2021, saying that there was this director making a movie about GameStop. And would I be interested in talking about the FOMO elements of it? Here we are three years later. The movie is about Dogecoin, really. I mean, there's some of the other stuff too, but it's really, uh, Doge is really a a big heart of this film. And Pro, you know, I really, you know, I had sort of followed Dogecoin as a meme, but I really didn't know much about it until I saw the first draft of the film and I started to learn about your journey. Take us back to how, like, wh- how did this come into your life, Dogecoin? Because, you know, for folks, I won't spoil the ending, but you you put everything into Dogecoin and you wrote it up from, you know, almost nothing to being worth millions of dollars. So but when, when did you first discover it? I first discovered Dogecoin on, in the depths of Reddit. Mm. That's funny. Uh, I just thought about that. Um, but I was on Reddit because of Wall Street bets. Yeah. So I was I was learning about GameStop, AMC because it started. A lot of people don't know this or don't think about it, but it started with meme stocks. Yep. Stocks. That's where it all began, and it went from meme stocks to meme coins on crypto. So that's where I first heard about Dogecoin. It was a. It's funny enough. It was a screenshot, and I wasn't even on Twitter like that back then. It was a screenshot of a tweet from Wall Street Bets chairman or something. And and the tweet was, has Dogecoin ever been to a dollar? Or has Dogecoin ever hit a dollar or something? And that tweet went viral on Twitter. Somebody took a screenshot, posted it on the uh, Wall Street Bets um, Reddit, and that's where I came across it. And I was like, Dogecoin, let me look this up. FOMO. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, or delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. 
With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you improve efficiency by bringing all major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. And with rising prices everywhere you look, you got to do the math and save money. Good news, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head over to netsuite.com slash FOMO. That's netsuite.com slash FOMO. netsuite.com slash FOMO. Tudo bem, meus queridos FOMO sapiens. Now that right there was Portuguese. And as you know, I love speaking foreign languages. But I'm not alone. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off that list with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Now, FOMO sapiens, you know I speak four languages, and it takes work to stay on top of them, especially with French. C'est difficile. But with Babbel, I'm able to practice practical conversations that I can actually use in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash FOMO. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash FOMO. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash FOMO. Rules and restrictions may apply. FOMO. So that's great. But then to go from there to like putting everything, I mean, like what was the, what, what happened there? Like, what was it that convinced you? Yeah. I mean, I found a lot of, I've found a lot of memes on the internet without throwing my life savings yeah. into them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's the funny thing. So I found out about GameStop too late. That's what it was. Oh. I put in some money in a GameStop. The day it's so crazy how everything worked. I put in, I don't know, 20,000 or something like that, or $10,000 or into GameStop the day before Robinhood pulled the plug. The exact day before oh. I put it in, it was around 300 and something dollars. It had blown up all over the media, it was all over the news. Everyone was buying GameStop to short it, right? Oh, uh, to go against the, the shorts, right? So the very next day, like it, it's supposed to go to five hundred dollars. It, it's how, everybody's kind of seeing this where it's gonna go, and and you can see. I, I don't know if you can still do this on Robinhood or not, but but you could. It was almost like a forecast. Like you can look at it and it and, it, and like the pressure. That's insane. There, I did not know that. <laughs> it's supposed to hit five hundred dollars. That's that's what like wow. the pre right before the bell rang. That's where it was looked at to go right. And so I was like, okay, this is amazing. This is gonna go to a thousand dollars. It's gonna go because there's nothing to stop. Of retail investors to 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 get together and and do this, and so sure enough, the bell, the opening bell, happens, and Robinhood disables the buy button. You can no longer buy more GameStop. Yeah, but you can sell though. You can sell everything. You just can't buy anymore. Weird, but in any case, the stock plummets, and so I lose a, a, maybe half of my money or something mm-hmm. like that. And 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 it was that kind of learning moment that I was like, okay something's going to happen. Something has to happen because people aren't just going to be frustrated and then dissipate. (laughs) Like this frustration is going to become something else, right? The retail investor is mad, pissed, frustrated. The first thing I did was get back on Wall Street Bets. I'm on the Reddit page. Everyone's pissed. Everybody's mad, right? And you've got thousands and thousands and thousands of people on there. 
saying I'm gonna take all my money out of Robinhood. I, I'm gonna or, or saying I'm selling all my stocks. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm pulling out of the stock market. Everybody's like, like, like scrambling. Like, what are we gonna do? Yeah. What are we gonna do? Right. And I knew at that moment this was an opportunity for something major to happen to shift. All that frustration is gonna shift elsewhere, and all that money, all that liquidity from GameStop is gonna go somewhere else. Right. And so it, that that's kind of when when I saw the Dogecoin uh, tweet. Right. Po a screenshot on, on Reddit. And I was like, OK, let me look this up. I looked it up. And sure enough, I was like, OK, I mean, obviously, it took a lot of, of time uh, researching and all this stuff. But but it, but I, I came to the consensus that that everything's going to shift over to Dogecoin. And, and it made sense for me for a number of reasons. But one of them being that Dogecoin was on Robinhood, the app. OK, so the retail investor, majority of them are already just click a button and you can go straight into it. Exactly. They can literally pull out of the stocks in the in Robinhood and just put the money in crypto on Robinhood. Right. Instead of having to wait days for it to transfer mm -hmm. to the bank and do X, Y and Z. And at that time, you could only buy uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum or Dogecoin on Robinhood. So you didn't have like a MetaMask wallet. You're doing this all through Robinhood. Yeah. I didn't even know what MetaMask was. I, I got to tell you. Yeah. Like the first time I got it and I was like, wait, I have to keep a password buried under my, you know, under my parents house. Like this doesn't feel like a very easy to use thing. Okay. So you did that. How much did you buy? Like how much did you put in initially and at what price? Okay. So here's another thing. So, so like I said, it was, it was a number of like high, like very massive, but very specific things that happened mm -hmm. to me. So the GameStop thing was one, right? Me, me putting in money the day before it pulls out. Mm -hmm. It's the next day, right? This is the next thing that happened that also played a major role. I put in $40 into Dogecoin at a penny right after I saw that screenshot on Wall Street Bets. I was like, okay, let's, uh, oh, wow, it's on Robinhood. This is easy. 40 bucks, right? I, I had some, I had maybe $100, $200 just sitting in Robinhood that hadn't been invested. And so I put in $40 in a Dogecoin just to dip my toes in the water, right? At a penny. What happens the very next day after that? Dogecoin goes to, goes to eight cents from a penny in a day and my 400 turns into 350 mm. or something crazy, right? And so it was almost like, oh, wow, this is what can happen. And so that's when I was like, drop everything I'm doing, stop everything I'm doing. What is Dogecoin? Mm -hmm. What is cryptocurrency? What is the likelihood that this happens again? And when it does, I need to be ready mm. and I need to have a lot more invested than $40. And so you ended up going big. I mean, it was several, it was more than $100,000, right? Yeah, it was almost 200000 It was $180,000. But here's the thing. People, like, it's so funny because people online are like, oh, who just has $180,000? You know what I mean? Like, your dad must be rich. Uh, you probably got some type of uh, inheritance or, or X, Y, and Z. Your dad's a millionaire, whatever. The $180,000 was made through stocks. Yeah. I had started investing a couple of years before that. So- the actual money that I had personally made that had gone into Robinhood was maybe twenty to thirty thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. That twenty to thirty thousand turned into one hundred eighty thousand dollars through investing. And back then, it was in a Tesla. I was a early, not early by any means, but in twenty nineteen, when I started investing in Tesla, when it the stock was plummeting because they were not at the brink of bankruptcy, but but they it seemed like. A lot of people were saying Tesla was going to fail because it was kind of like their make or break year. If they weren't able to pull together this Model 3 production line, it wasn't going to happen. And so I, 
you know, put money into there and it turned into it actually turned into two hundred and fifty thousand dollars at the high, at the peak of it. But like I said, I was inv- I invested in in GameStop, lost some money. I invested in AMC, lost some money. So that two fifty at the peak came down to one eighty, and that's when I pulled out of everything and sold everything, and all, I sold out of all the stocks and went all in on those. And, the, and what was the price of good Dogecoin at that point when you did the one eighty? Three or uh, between three and four cents. Okay, perfect. FOMO. FOMO. Now, now, Chris, I want to pick up here with you because you meet Pro. We've all just been hearing the story. I mean, it is cinematic. I mean, it's the kind of thing like it's incredible that you had the because what's I mean, one thing about being a documentary filmmaker, you could film for two years and have nothing to show for it. Yeah. But here it's you film. Right. I mean, it's crazy. Like I, that blows my mind. It's it's like wait, it, the odds are worse than venture capital. But you yeah. meet Pro and then you see the story that you want to tell and then you have a couple other people in the in the um the film that are that are that are also you know in different ways involved in this ecosystem talk about what you saw like what was it about pro story and about you know the movement and other folks in this space that that you know what was the narrative that you were trying to to tease out yeah i mean i think uh I mean, I was immediately compelled by Pro. I think that the New York descri- New York Times described him as very affable. Uh, you know, <laughs> Pro is great. He is. Um, but, uh, you know, there were a couple things, right? Like when you start out making a documentary, the beauty of it is that it's real. So you don't know where it's going. Um, I didn't want to mm-hmm. tell a story of the past of what had, ha- what had happened with GameStop. That, when I started looking into it, that quickly became not very interesting to me versus looking at where is this going from here and what do we follow in real time in real people's lives over the next few years? Um, you know, and there's only a couple different scenarios that could play out. I mean, on one hand, pro do he's right. And Dogecoin becomes, you know, worth a lot of money and he makes a lot of money and sells it and lives as a millionaire happily ever after. Um, the other world was in which, uh, what actually ended up happening in the film where he pro really rides up this, this joy of as the momentum of Dogecoin is building, he rides it from $1 million to $2 million and then everyone's telling him to sell. And then from $2 million to $3 million and everyone's like, well, now you have to sell, but you understand all of the psychological triggers that were happening along the way when you're in it, it's a lot harder to know when the top is, than looking backwards, right? I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty when you're making an investment. And I think it was so helpful for me and I hope for other investors who watch this film to see actually how hard it was for Pro and other people in the film throughout this process to really make financial decisions on the fly when everything was happening so quickly. Um, and these price, price fluctuations are out of control. Um, there's a number of other factors playing in and you've got Pro started building up an audience of a couple hundred thousand people on the internet who were encouraging him to stay holding, to never sell, to be a part of this, thanking him for the work that he was doing to lift up this coin and that together we can stick it to Wall Street. You know, there was a real um, movement kind of being built and narrative being built around that. Um, And then I think second was the, just back to the plain old psychology of FOMO that um, it's really hard to sell when you feel like you might be missing out on future gains. So, you know, if you sell too early, then, and you look around and someone else is making a bunch of money, um, you feel like an idiot. You know, and there was one day that I 
remember really vividly with Pro where we went to Costco to go shopping for an hour. And in that one hour when we got back, Pro had made over $180,000 in Dogecoin <laughs> in the price increase in that nice. hour that we were at Costco. You know, wow. and, and here I am, you know, my team were broke documentary filmmakers, like sweating, holding this camera. And I'm like, I should get in. Like, what am I doing? How yeah, did you I buy any, Chris? Like, I, I was wondering, like, because I would have, I, I, I ended up buying some NFTs in there at some point. I was like, Jesus, everybody's doing it. I'll do it. You know what I mean? So did you ever buy any, Chris? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I, I bought, I mean, I actually bought Dogecoin even before I met Pro. Oh. Uh, it was part of my, like, getting sucked into this. But then, yeah, when we're, you know, we're filming and I'm seeing the price go up and here I, and then I take out my phone and I'd buy a thousand dollars of Dogecoin oh on my, my phone, you know, while holding the camera during a certain scene. Uh. Cause I'm, I'm just that frustration around seeing other people and comparing yourself to others yeah. is really, really difficult. And I think like it's a lesson that I hope people will learn again through the film is you really cannot compare yourself to other people and the decisions and the and what they're doing because it can drive you absolutely insane. Um, and right now it's very easy to compare yourself to everybody in the world all at one time, right? You know, yeah. we can look and you can hear that Warren Buffett made $70 million since we started this podcast. And that might piss you off and you might feel like you're missing out on some opportunity, but you got to do what's right for you and figure out your own relationship to money, your own relationship to risk. And, and that's why, again, I loved having four different characters in this film with very different profiles around risk and decision-making around diversification um, to help people kind of come to terms with what they think is right for them. Now, I think it's important here for everybody to understand what's going on with you here, Pro, because one of the things that I didn't realize till I saw the film, you know, I knew your persona, your online persona, Dogecoin Millionaire, all this stuff, but you don't come from money. Your family immigrated. You grew up in pretty humble means. And then your own ability to participate fully in the economy is really limited because you don't have papers. You're undocumented. So you can't just go out and get a job. Every time you get a job and we see this, you talk about this in the movie, you're working at different jobs that are pretty low pay. And then they find out that you don't have the papers or there's some sort of issue and you lose your job. So as a result, you have to take a completely different path to making a living. So explain that. Talk about what uh, what the dynamics are for you. Um, well, I, it's so weird. Like I, I was I was taught one thing uh, by a lot of different people, you know, uh, uh, go to school, do really well in school, get A's and B's, best grades you can possibly get, go to college, finish college, do well there. And then you will in return for all your effort and energy and time spent and money, you will receive, you will earn a, a high paying job, right? That was very early on thrown out the window for me. I, I couldn't do things the traditional way. And even though I, I had completely signed up for it, like I was ready to go. Like elementary school killed it. You know, I was killing the coloring. I was a beast at finger painting. Then middle school, killing it. You know what I mean? Like high school, like I, I got like I got high honors. I, mm -hmm. I graduated high school with high honors and I just couldn't finalize that. I couldn't go to college and finish that. Right. So, OK, that's out the window. Now. Now what? What's next for me? Um, let me get a job. Let me get a job like everybody else. 
I, I couldn't go down the street and get a job. I couldn't, oh, let me go work at McDonald's like most people and climb the ladder and corporate ladder and then become here. And, you know, like everything that was traditional. And why was that of, that you couldn't do that? Because I didn't have papers. Yeah. And so I had no social security number. You know what I mean? Exactly. I didn't have the the, the, the the traditional, the tools. I had no tools. I had to make it with no, <laughs> not, not nothing. And so, and so I had to, okay, since I can't get a job like everybody else, um, let me uh, uh, make my own job, right? So I picked up a camera, I, I bought a video camera, and, and I started shooting music videos um, for artists and musicians in the area, getting paid a hundred bucks, 150, $200, right? And so kind of, I kind of got tossed into this world of self-employment <laughs> self -employment and, and entrepreneurship very, very early on. Cause that was my only option. It, it was like, I had to carve out my own personal lane that no one else could relate to. And none of my friends understood. And, and so that's just kind of how it went my entire life. And um, it was always under the terms of, oh, it'll get better. Oh, oh, something will change. You know, uh, there's going to be some type of amnesty. Uh, something's going to happen where, where you'll be okay at some point. And that never happened. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the route that I had to take throughout my life. It's working. It's finding anything that I can be good at and, and building skills in different aspects of life where I can charge someone else for what I can do and they can pay me for what I do. You know? Yeah, there's a there's this concept. We had F Felix Salmon on the show, who's a financial journalist, and I don't think he invented this per se, but he wrote about it in his new book, Ladders and Trampolines, that the old way of doing things is ladders. If the ladder isn't there, then why not just take the risk on the trampoline and see if you can just skip up and, you know, do it faster. And so mm -hmm. that explains, and I, I think this was kind of what I talk about in the movie, actually, <laughs> is like, um, if the system isn't working for you, why not just try something else? So that that is what you did. Now, we're going to talk about how that went and where things ended up and what all the learnings are on next week's episode. So everybody, we'll see you next week. And until then, take care of yourselves. FOMO Sapiens. FOMO. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and on the web at FOMOSapiens.com or PatrickMcGinnis.com, where you can get all kinds of free resources to live a more decisive and entrepreneurial life. FOMO Sapiens is recorded in New York City. Theme music is by Mike McGinnis, and editing and post-production is by Josh Elstro. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me at FOMOSapiens.com and at PatrickMcGinnis.com. To advertise on FOMO Sapiens, reach out to contact at FOMOSapiens.com.